Hi, it's Dom here, pastor at Assemble Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you find what you're looking for today and that you are challenged, inspired, and equipped to live out the life that God has for you. Enjoy the message today. So we are currently doing a series with with a teaching series on the names of God, the names of God in the Bible, help us to comprehend an incomprehensible God, don't they? The Bible shows us various aspects of God's nature, of his person, uh, through descriptive names that we read in the Bible. Because here's the thing, it can be easy for us to fall into a bit of a trap, right, of creating idols in our mind that are not the God of the Bible. Did you know that? Did you know that? Uh, Perhaps uh, we create a a persona and and an image of God in our mind that suits our own leaning or our own uh, personal, uh, perhaps, opinions uh, or whatever else it might be. But God is not a personal creation of our minds, is he? Not at all. Uh, No, we cannot cherry pick our favorite parts and create our uh, our own version of God in our minds. Jesus said in John 10, Uh, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And so there's a subtle hint there. Actually, it's not very subtle, but it's 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 an instruction there from Jesus that we ought to know God, that we ought to know who we're talking about. And that's why we're studying this series so that we are equipped to know who we're worshiping who we're preaching, who we're telling people about, who, uh, who we're learning about, uh, who, uh, who he is, what he does, what he will do. In order to worship God, we need to know who we're worshiping, yeah? Yeah, does that make sense? I thought that made sense. Uh, our time of reading the word on a Sunday should ultimately inform our worship and once again equip us to worship in spirit and in truth as the Bible uh, tells us to do. And so I wanted to come up with a snazzy way, snazzy uh, way to, uh, to sort of uh, to, to put this, right? To link together our study of the Word of God and our praise and worship to God and, uh, and, and sort of how they link together and what that link is. I wanted to come up with a snazzy way to do that. But actually, I found a guy who's much better at communicating these kind of things than me. Uh, it's, a, it's a chap called Shai Lin. Uh, in America, and uh, and I love this guy. He's uh, he's, a, he's a theologian, and uh, and so I've got a I've got a little clip uh, for you. It's actually a an excerpt from a song. Uh, is it okay if I show you that? Great stuff. Now, uh, so we're we're studying God because it's important, hey, because it informs our worship, and we're doing this by looking at the names of God. And the name of God uh, that we are studying today is Jehovah Rohi. Everyone say Jehovah. Jehovah. Everyone say Rohi. Rohi. Jehovah Rohi. It means the Lord is my shepherd. Now God is referred to as a shepherd of his uh, his people uh, numerous times in the Old Testament, but the first actual use of the Hebrew phrase Jehovah Rohi is in one of the most well-known scriptures uh, in the Bible. And uh, this scripture is known by Christians and and, and non-Christians all over the world. And it's Psalm 23. Psalm 23. So uh, in your Bibles, if you can turn to Psalm 23, that would be awesome. And uh, and we're focusing this morning on verse uh, 1 to 4. And I'll read it for us now. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And we'll stop there in Psalm 23 uh, this morning. So uh, the psalm begins, Psalm 23 begins, does it not? The Lord is my shepherd. And that's a a really, really well-known phrase. But okay, says the Lord is my shepherd, but which Lord? Which Lord are we talking about? Because the word Lord is a fairly generic word, isn't it? It's a fairly generic word that can mean uh, God, uh, or it can even be, uh, be used to mean a human Lord, human master, uh, Lord of the manor, Lord in the house of Lords, Lord Sugar, you're fired, that kind of, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, so who is it that we're talking about? Well, in my Bible, and, uh, and yours is probably the same, uh, in my Bible, uh, the, the letters that make up Lord here at the, uh, in Psalm 23, they're capitalized. They're all in capitals, not just the L, but the O-R-D as well. And, uh, and this means something incredibly significant. This means that it is a swap-in replacement for the name of God, as, uh, as Sam talked about last week. And so we can swap the name of God in where it says Lord in the Bible here. And so the text reads, Yahweh, my shepherd. Yahweh, my shepherd. And so that is who we're talking about here. Yahweh, the God of the Bible, the God uh, that met with Moses at the burning bush, the God that, uh, that led the people out of Egypt. This is who David is referring to in Psalm 23. And additionally, we know what the, uh, what the name Yahweh means. Uh, Sam taught us this last week. If you missed it, you can catch up on the podcast uh, Sam, uh, Sam uh, went through this last week in, in the study that Yahweh actually means he is, he will be. This is what the name Yahweh means. And so perhaps a truer and fuller representation of what this text says is he is, he will be my shepherd. He is simply because he is. Nothing can box him. No one can change him. No one can alter him. Uh, He is simply uh, because he is. And he is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. Now, God has written his word. Uh, It's it's his word. It's divinely inspired by God. But he's written it, uh, written this psalm. that he is a shepherd, but we need to know what that means, don't we? What does shepherd mean? What does shepherd mean? We know what Lord means now, we've done that, but we, now we need to know what shepherd means. And these days, we don't really think too much about a shepherd, do we? We have farmers, farmers are great, and, uh, and we might also have perhaps sheep experts, like sheep scientists, but we don't really uh, think too much uh, about a, uh, a shepherd. But in 1000 BC, when David lived, things were quite different. And we were often reminded in, uh, for example, the nativity uh, story at Christmas time, we're often reminded that shepherds uh, are actually quite, uh, usually quite poor people. Very poor people. They're often uh, sort of in the, uh, in the perhaps the, the slave or the servant uh, class uh, of people. They're not highly regarded in society. And so is it these characteristics that God wants to bring to mind when he declares that he is a shepherd? 
In order to know, we need to know, uh, uh, we need to know what God uh, means. We need to understand uh, the Hebrew uh, understanding, the Hebrew uh, word of what a shepherd means. Now, the word is rohi. Say rohi again. Rohi. Yeah, you're getting good at this. You're getting good at the Hebrew. And uh, so the word is rohi, and it describes the nature that God wants uh, us to understand. And it means this, it means feeder. It means nurturer, it means leader, it means protector, it means one who drives out to pastor, pasture, not pastor, pasture. And, uh, and really the primary translation, the primary, uh, I guess, meaning behind this word is the one who feeds his flock. The one that feeds, the one that leads. The one that feeds, the one that leads. Is that Okay. So good. So that is what God is he's trying to get across uh, in Psalm 23. But two things occur to me. Two things occur to me uh, when reading Psalm 23. The first is this. This thing, this relationship, this, what David is speaking about, this is personal. This is a personal thing. What we're reading is the inspired word of God, absolutely. uh, But it's written by David's human hand in his human uh, words. And David chooses to describe the relationship between God and his people as that of a shepherd and his sheep. One uh, relationship that David is intimately familiar with. Now, for us, we're unlikely to really understand uh, that sort of relationship. Anyone in here a shepherd? No. Cold silence. Because there aren't many around. Uh, so we're, we're, we're not shepherds, I and mean, so perhaps we don't understand the care and the dedication that a shepherd has for his sheep. And so perhaps we miss something of the meaning. Perhaps we miss something of exactly uh, what God is trying to say here and, uh, and is trying to say through David. Uh, but we do know this. David uses this personal relationship that he knows so well because to him, God feeds and leads David in the same intimate and personal way that he, David, uh, fed and led his sheep. The way David describes God is personal to him because the relationship between God and David is a personal relationship. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Now this challenged me this week. This challenged me this week um, to think this. Do I know God in a truly personal way? Do I truly know God personally? Do I know his ways, his words, his nature, his goodness, his will? Or am I just going off what other people say? Am I uh, just experiencing God through other people? Or am I experiencing God myself? Because the relationship between us uh, as individuals and God is a personal relationship and we cannot piggyback off somebody else's uh, relationship with God. Hey, is that good? The second thing that occurs uh, to me as I'm reading Psalm 23 is this. Am I consuming what God is offering? Am I consuming what God is offering? We're saying that God feeds and, uh, and nurtures and he leads us to what is good. But there's, a, there's an old saying, it's not in the Bible, uh, but there's an old saying that says this, you can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make it drink. And, uh, and I think this is true of, of us uh, and our relationship with, uh, with God. God can lead us to what is good for us, but he won't force it on us. He won't force it on us. Uh, God hasn't created us to be robots or puppets on strings, uh, you know, sort of mindlessly obeying whatever he decrees. Instead, he created us with personalities. Uh, 
with creativity, with imagination, and with free will. And with that free will comes the ability to choose whether we follow God and we follow the path that he designed for us and we consume what it is that he, uh, that he has for us, consume the nourishment that he provides or not, or not. That is what the free will allows. God offers his shepherdship. He offers uh, his nourishment, his ways, his wisdom through his uh, Bible. He even offered his son on a cross that we may, uh, we may experience eternal life with God instead of the total opposite. But we aren't forced to accept it, are we? We're not forced to accept it. Many of us here have. Many of us here accept Jesus into our lives, but there is a continued challenge. Am I being fed by what God is providing? Am I being fed by God or am I being fed by the world? It's a challenge for me. Am I reading his word or am I perhaps reading social media? Am I spending time in his presence or am I spending time ignoring him? Am I living a life that brings glory to him or am I living a life that brings uh, shallow, hollow glory to myself? Am I worshipping him or am I worshipping myself or perhaps something else? We're always being fed from somewhere and something. We're always being influenced and, uh, and taking things in. And our challenge is, are we being fed by the one that designed us, by the one that knows what it is we need, uh, or uh, are we being fed by something else? So that was my second consideration as I was reading the Psalms this morning. Because here's the thing. Can I address an elephant in the room for a minute? This is awkward, right? Sheep aren't smart. Sheep aren't smart at all. They're actually fairly dumb. Uh, They're actually really very dumb. God describes himself as a shepherd and that makes us uh, the sheep. In Psalm 100, it says, No, the Lord is God. uh, It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And there may be some in here this morning and I perhaps include myself maybe, I don't know, that might take exception to being called a sheep. Might take exception to being called a sheep because sheep can't do things themselves. They can't look after themselves. They, can't, uh, they don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. They can't find their own food or water. Uh, they're, they're not animals that can look after themselves. They're, they're just not. They never have been and they're unlikely to ever be. And so you might be thinking, well, that's not me. That's not me. I'm not a sheep. I, uh, I can do loads of things all by myself. I know my career trajectory. I've got all that nailed down. I, uh, I can do all sorts of things. I can drive a car. Wow. I can, uh, you know, I, I know how to find my own food and my own water. That's great. I'm an expert. That's what, that's what we may be thinking. I'm not a sheep. I don't follow the crowds. I'm my own person. And, and I was thinking this this week. I was thinking, sheep, really? Is that the best analogy? Really? But then I was thinking it occurs to me, you know, the more that I live this life, and I won't claim to be uh, particularly experienced um, in it, uh, but the more I do go through this life, the more I realize I don't know. And sometimes I wish I could go back 10 years because I knew everything back then. But, uh, 
but sure, there are things I can do myself on a, on a practical level. But when it comes to living this life, living it the way that God intended it to be, living this life of fullness and fulfillment, living this life of nourishment and meaning, I find that I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. No idea what I'm doing. The Lord is my shepherd because without him, I'm traveling through this life without cause and without purpose. A bit like a lost sheep. Some of us aren't experiencing the life that God designed for us because we're not allowing ourselves to be led by the shepherd. Because we're not allowing ourselves to be led by the one who knows us intimately, who knows what it is we need, who knows uh, what it is um, that, uh, uh, that is the best for us. So the question then comes, well, how does the shepherd do that then? What does the shepherd do? What does the shepherd do? And, uh, and I'd like to, uh, to very quickly and very briefly go through Psalm 23 uh, again and break it down. I don't want to spend too long here because actually we've preached, uh, I've preached on, uh, on Psalm 23 relatively recently. Uh, and so I don't want to just deliver uh, a, a, a message from a previous day. Uh, but, uh, but I want to go through Psalm 23 and, uh, and, and learn what we can learn about a shepherd. Is that okay? Is that okay? It's okay with... <laughs> All right, Alan, I'll crack on. Get on with it. Fair enough, fair enough. Psalm 23, uh, verse one then. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And so we initially learned that, uh, that the Lord provides for all of our needs. You know, sometimes we're not even able to figure out what our needs are, let alone how, uh, how we are to get it or where we are to get it. But the good shepherd provides for us and in doing so we have all we need. Uh, we are able to be completely without lack. Uh, and I'm not talking necessarily in a practical uh, sense, but in a broader sense, in a much more meaningful sense in our lives where we lack nothing where we lack nothing because he provides for our needs. Moving on, uh, verse two says this, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. And so we learn in verse two that the shepherd gives rest to our souls. When we're following the shepherd, he knows, uh, he knows when we need rest. He knows when we need rest. He, he knows when the answer needs to be no. He knows when the door uh, that looks like a door to opportunity needs to be closed because it's actually a door uh, to destruction. He, uh, he gives us rest. Verse three says this, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. If we let him, he will lead us. If we let him, he will lead us. We will experience awesome things in this life. We will see amazing things. We will see amazing miracles. We will see transformation. We will see God at work uh, and we will be led, uh, led into some, uh, to some incredible things. But get this, did you read this bit? For his name's sake. For his name's sake. We weren't created to be our own uh, sort of uh, false, uh, hollow gods worshipping ourselves. It's not about us. That's sometimes uncomfortable to acknowledge, hey. But we were created to live a life of fullness that brings glory to the one true God. That is what we were created for. And it is in this acceptance that he is God and we are not, that we find meaning, purpose, and uh, direction and peace. Is that okay? Is that okay? Tricky one, that one. Tricky one, that one. 
Uh, verse four then says this, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so in verse four, we learn that he walks with us wherever we go and whatever we're walking through, regardless of what season of life you're in. You could be on the highest hill or perhaps the lowest uh, valley, but the shepherd doesn't abandon his sheep. The shepherd does not abandon his sheep. Wherever we find ourselves in this crazy life, we know that the Lord is there. The creator of heaven and earth is with you. He is for you. He will bring peace and comfort to you. Is that good? So good to me, anyway. So good to me. So this is a, uh, this is a brief summary of Jehovah uh, Rohi, the Lord as my shepherd, as described in Psalm 23. And as I say, we've uh, I've spoken on Psalm 23 before, and so I don't want to uh, I don't want to uh, sort of I guess analyze too much uh, what we're uh, what we're looking at this morning. But it's a wonderful psalm, isn't it? It's a wonderful psalm that brings so much comfort uh, to uh, to all sorts of people, regardless of of what they're going through. But the Old Testament, as I said earlier, uh, has uh, has many uh, different uh, different scriptures, many different passages and uh, and references uh, to uh, to describing God as a shepherd to His people. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read some out for you now. In Jeremiah 31:10, we read. Hear the word of the Lord, you nations. Proclaim it in distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel will gather them and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. Ezekiel 34, 11 says this. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them. So I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. Psalm 95 verse 7 says this, He is our God, we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. The Old Testament is filled with references uh, to uh, the relationship of that of a shepherd to his sheep. Are we comfortable with that? Is that good? And here's the thing, as we move into the New Testament, as we move into the New Testament of the Bible, uh, we begin to get a greater understanding of what it means to have Jehovah Rohi, of what it means to have the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus declares in John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Now immediately to Jewish audiences here, the people that Jesus is, is speaking to, the people that are around him, this is a significant, uh, this is a significant claim. See, Jesus isn't stating his occupation. He's not saying that he spends his time in the fields with sheep. That's not uh, what, uh, what is going on here. Uh, Jesus is drawing a parallel, parallel to the scriptures that everybody around him would know and be very familiar with. All the scriptures that describe God as the shepherd in the Old Testament, Jesus is saying, that's me. The God of the Bible, the God of the Old Testament is the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I am God. Some people uh, claim that Jesus never stated that he was God. And to an extent, that's true. If you can search through the Bible and, uh, and you can look through, the, through where, where Jesus spoke and you can try and find the bits written in red, that's the words of Jesus, often in, uh, in some Bibles anyway, uh, and you can search for where Jesus says, I am God, and you won't find it because he never said it. 
But instead, Jesus showed us that he was God in far more meaningful, far more powerful ways uh, than, uh, than that. Far more powerful. Instead, Jesus showed that he is God by showing that he is the good shepherd. Is that okay? Great, great. So I want to draw some parallels from how David describes God uh, as a shepherd in Psalm 23 to the ministry of Jesus. Because if Jesus is claiming to be the good shepherd, uh, the same shepherd described in Psalm 23, we should see the evidence, shouldn't we? You should see the evidence for that uh, in the ministry and in the life of Jesus. And so let's, uh, let's go through briefly now then. So the first thing we learned about Psalm 23 in verse 1 was that he provides for all our needs. The good shepherd provides for all our needs. And we see in the New Testament, we see in fact twice. In fact, Jesus, Jesus uh, we see the provision of Jesus uh, multiple times throughout the New Testament, but twice in particular I want to uh, bring to mind. Both in Matthew, uh, we see two miracles of provision. The first, when Jesus fed uh, the 5,000 men plus women and children in Matthew uh, 11, 14, 14, Matthew 14. Uh, and then second in Matthew 15, where Jesus feeds 4,000 men plus women and children. Both of these miracles occur when there was not enough food. There was not enough food. These uh, crowds had been gathered. They were listening to Jesus preach intently. Uh, it got along in the day. Uh, it was late on and uh, they needed some food and Jesus saw the need. He cared for the need and then he provided for the need. And in that time, the people around Jesus, they lacked nothing. They lacked nothing. They had what they need. A life following Jesus is a life where we lack nothing. The second thing we learn about the good shepherd in Psalm 23 uh, was this. He gives rest to our souls. He gives rest to our souls. And Jesus outright announced that those that follow him will be given rest. That's what he said. Not physical rest, but rest for the soul. Matthew uh, 11 28 to 30 says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because Jesus is the good shepherd, he will provide the rest that is described in Psalm 23. So good, so good. The third thing we learned in Psalm 23 uh, was this, the good shepherd, the shepherd leads us. Now Jesus' entire earthly ministry was about establishing the principle of following him, of following him. And Jesus spoke very freely of, uh, of what would be in store for those that did. Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, come follow me. And I will send you out to, be, uh, f- uh, to fish for people. I'll give your life meaning. I'll give your life purpose. I'll give your life direction. It's what Jesus is saying. Uh, in John 12, 26, uh, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. So for those that follow and serve Jesus, uh, we will be honored by the father. That is uh, what's in store for those uh, who follow Jesus. In John 8, 12, uh, it says this, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. 
Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. For those that follow Jesus, our path will be uh, illuminated. We will, uh, we, we, uh, we will, we will walk in light. Maybe I should slow down. Maybe I should slow down. I'm just getting excited. We will walk in light. Jesus embodies the shepherd that is described in Psalm 23 because he is the good shepherd. He is Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament embodied in the new. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is our shepherd. We are his sheep. But here's the thing, as his sheep we go astray. Yeah? As his sheep we go astray. And this is the story ultimately of humanity. God provides this perfect world for us perfect and beautiful world for us and humanity uh, humanity turns away from God choosing our own route, a path that is contrary to what God designed for us. Isaiah 53 lays it out we all, like sheep have gone astray each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him, that's Jesus the iniquity of us all. When we choose when we choose to not follow the good shepherd we end up in a mess. We end up stuck in a hedge or far from the good shepherd on a path towards destruction. But when Jesus declared in John 10, as I read at the start, that he is the good shepherd, he actually said much more than that. Can I read the full verse for you? And Jesus said this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. You know, uh, the sheep, the natural sheep, the fluffy sheep, has a natural enemy. Right? And it's, uh, it's the wolf. It's the wolf. And, uh, and the sheep has no defense against the wolf. Did you know that? And, uh, and the wolf has different plans for the sheep than perhaps what the uh, shepherd intends. See, the wolf intends harm for the sheep. The wolf intends, in natural terms, for the sheep to be eaten, for it to not go well for the sheep, to snatch it out of the hand of the shepherd. And the sheep's only defence is the shepherd. The sheep's only defence is the shepherd. The, the sheep is fully reliant on the shepherd for their protection. And as humanity, you know, we have a natural enemy. We have an enemy, and it's our enemy's intention to snatch us from the hands of the shepherd. And we, uh, we see this at first in the Garden of Eden uh, when, uh, when, when the snake tricks uh, Adam and Eve uh, to deliberately disobeying God by eating from the tree. But that's not the only time. We see it in every generation since then, right up until now. Right up until now. 
It's our enemy's intention to remove us from the shepherd's, uh, from, the, from the goodness of what the shepherd has for us, from the shepherd's grasp. Now, we might be much smarter than sheep. I like to think anyway. We might be much smarter than sheep, but just like the sheep, we have no defense. We have no defense against our enemy. Did you know that? We are fully reliant on the shepherd. We are fully reliant on the protection that comes from Jehovah Rohi, the shepherd. That's why Jesus taught us uh, to pray that we will be delivered from evil because we need help from heaven to avoid the traps of the enemy. Yeah? You know, Sam, uh, Sam last week as she introduced uh, this sort of teaching series, um, she, uh, she, t- she taught us that um, when God describes uh, an attribute of himself, when God describes something of himself, he means it in the purest and truest meaning. Yeah? that okay? So uh, a regular human shepherd is unlikely to lay down their lives uh, for, for the sheep that they look after, but Jesus is no ordinary shepherd. Jesus is no ordinary shepherd, and we are no ordinary sheep. We're no ordinary sheep. Jesus is the purest embodiment of what it means to be a shepherd, of the biblical understanding of what it means to be a shepherd, one that feeds, one that nurtures, one that protects. And we are not simply sheep. We'll be pleased to know. We are not simply sheep, but rather humanity, made in the image and the likeness of God. And so the purest Shepherd laid down his life for the most precious of sheep. And on that cross, the debt was paid and the gap between us and God was bridged and death was defeated and eternal life was secured. How good is that? How good is that? Yahweh is my shepherd. Jesus is my shepherd. So yeah, it's important to, uh, to study the names uh, of God, what God calls himself in his word, isn't it? Because it's only by doing this that we can understand some of the nature, some of the aspect, some of who God is. Because God is, uh, is beyond our full comprehension. And so uh, we study his word to do the best that we can. But here's the thing. What do I do with this information? Might be what you're asking. Yeah? We've learned some cool things. Done a bit of Hebrew, Rohi. That was cool, wasn't it? But what do I do with this information? How does this help me? How does this help us? And there are, there are two things that I, want to, uh, that I want to bring to mind. The first is for us. To accept the challenge to be led by the shepherd. And it is a challenge. At times, is it not? Because we have an enemy who's, uh, who's consistently trying to snatch us away uh, from the grasp of the shepherd, uh, but, uh, but to accept uh, the challenge to be led by the shepherd, consuming his nourishment, his Bible, reading his, his word, uh, learning his ways, learning his nature, spending time in his presence, to take courage and, uh, and comfort, knowing that he is the good shepherd that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that in every high and in every low he is there. And when we live our lives in this knowledge, we see things differently. We see things differently uh, when we know who it is that we're following, don't we? 
The second challenge, or the second thing to, uh, to perhaps uh, bring to mind, is this. You know, we're made in the image of God. The Bible tells us that. We're made in the image of God, and we're designed and created to be a, uh, a reflection of God's glory on this earth. We're asked, when we're called in the Bible, uh, to, uh, to emulate Christ to be like Christ. And that's what our discipleship journeys are about, uh, continually trying uh, to be more and more like Jesus. Now, we're not the good shepherd. We're not the good shepherd. We're not the, uh, the perfect embodiment of, of what the shepherd is, but we are called to emulate Christ. And so we are called, in fact, to be shepherd figures to others. We are called uh, to, uh, to provide for needs. We are called to encourage rest for the soul. We are encouraged to lead others, first and foremost, to Jesus. But along biblical principles, we're called to disciple one another, aren't we? That's what the Bible uh, calls us to do. And we're called to walk with people. We're called uh, to walk with people through different situations and different circumstances. Through whatever it is uh, that our friends, our family, our community is going through, we're called to walk with them. And so we are called, in fact, to in some way emulate and in some way reflect what it means to be this shepherd. Not in the fullest sense. That's Jesus. But we're called to reflect Jesus. We're called to be like Jesus. And so I want to pray. I want to pray for us, uh, for us now as we're, as we're on this journey. So perhaps, uh, perhaps if we uh, bow our heads and close our eyes and we'll pray together. That's all for now. We pray that you heard something that brought life to you today so that you may go and be the person that God called you to be. God bless you.